Slot, Stardate 5. Uh, these are the continued voyages of Edson's Mark and Eddie as we continue to uh, chronologically critique Star Trek The Next Generation here from coming to you live from 10 forward where we're watching the established episodes of Star Trek that they have on board the uh, ship's computer. Uh, I'm, I'm Eddie and I'm joined as always by Mark O'Neill. Mark, how, how you been? Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, my uh, washing machine isn't draining. Other than that, fine. Thanks yeah. for asking. How are you? Uh, um, all right. I've had bad news, uh, but uh, I, look, this is the weird thing, right? Because what I've found out this week is that the tumor in my head has grown, and the stuff. But that's not what I want to talk about. I want to see Eternals, <laughs> and there was a trailer before Eternals. Right, I just want to discuss. Have you are you familiar with the Roland Emmerich movie Anonymous? It. It's the only it's the only Roland Emmerich movie I haven't seen because it's nearly impossible to find for some reason. Right. So that movie is the movie in which Roland Emmerich puts forward the argument that Shakespeare didn't write Shakespeare, and there is a fantastic takedown of the entire movie on YouTube by a guy called Browse Held High, um, and it basically goes through the entire conspiracy. Basically, if you believe the, the conspiracy theory that Shakespeare didn't write Shakespeare is is a conspiracy theory that exists because people think that democracy is a mistake and the monarchy should never have look basically the english civil war shouldn't have happened because there was this secret heir to the throne who should have been king instead of charles and if that had happened we wouldn't have lost the colonies and there wouldn't be democracy anywhere in the world but the upshot of it is roland emmerich buys into that because he doesn't think because he's a very wealthy man from birth and he thinks that shakespeare should be a wealthy man because he likes to see himself in shakespeare I, I just wanted to get that bit of context into anybody who's listening to this brains before I tell you about the trailer I saw. We'll come back to this later because I actually have things to say about that conspiracy theory. Yeah, um, the trailer for the new Roland Emmerich movie. Have are you, have you heard about this? It's called yeah. I, yeah I've heard a little bit about do, it. Yeah. Do, do you know what the plot is? Uh, uh, the moon falls. Nope. I oh. thought it was that. I thought it was like, oh, the moon's going to fall, and it'll yeah. be like a great. No, 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 Mark. The plot of Moonfall is what if the moon attacked? <laughs> <laughs> right. okay. This is a man who in his head thinks he's Shakespeare. I just want to bring that home. One of the lines from the, the trailer is, I, I believe I'm quoting this verbatim, no, we're not dead, we're inside the moon. <laughs> to which Samuel Tarly from Game of Thrones replies, that's the best sentence anyone's ever said. And I'd say, I don't think it's in the top 90%. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Movies. Movies are getting to. um, There's a a phrase in in writing known as hanging a lantern. And it's when something ridiculous happens in your movie. And your characters then comment on how ridiculous it is. And it generally has to be outside of things like spoofs and parodies, because that's their whole job, is to hang lanterns on things. That's why they exist. Hanging a lantern on it is what absolutely fucking ruined Fast and Furious 9. Fast and Furious 5 through 8, I will defend as movies good enough that we could show alien ambassadors. (laughs) I think they show a lot of inclusivity uh yeah they're obviously they're a bit sexist but the women do get fun things to do 
and I think that they showcase human ingenuity in the very clever ways that Vin Diesel figures around a plot by just having the idea, what if cars fell out of a plane? And then 20 minutes later has the entire plot of the movie. Genius. I, I genuinely I genuinely and unironically will champion Fast and Furious 5 through 8 to anyone who will sit and listen. Fast and Furious 9 is garbage because one of the very first things that happens is that Tyrese's character Roman gets stuck in like a jungle pyramid because great fine we haven't been to the jungle in these movies yet i want to see what happens when we go to the jungle they achieve it it's hard to drive (laughs) any it's hard to drive on the ice with a submarine chasing you but they accomplish it (laughs) and tyrese is surrounded by 12 guys with guns he has a gun with three bullets and not only do the guys all accidentally kill themselves tyrese absolutely survives and then spends the rest of the movie questioning why do we keep getting into situations where we should be dead and surviving? And that takes me right out of it because I'm like, no, you shouldn't know this. It's, <laughs> no. <laughs> Fuck it. Like, and, and it's, I think it's even worse that the, 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 the character that they got to deliver this steaming pile of shit all over one of my favourite franchises is the one character in the team... Where if he never came back with no explanation whatsoever, I wouldn't even question it. What I, I genuinely I have a, a great deal of affection for the uh, the Fast and the Furious franchise because I, I I I would love to go back in time to just after I've watched the first Fast and the Furious, which was yeah. shortly after it came out. Which uh, uh, Mark, I'm not gonna uh, you know this, but I want to remind everybody who's listening: the Fast and the Furious, the first movie, is a movie about people using street racing cars to steal DVD players out of the back of trucks, <laughs> right? And I wish I could go back in time and show like myself a clip from the one where the Rock runs straight through a wall. <laughs> <laughs> Be like, this is the logical, this is the logical progression of this series, and have me go, no, it's not. What? <laughs> what? what? <laughs> I would show myself the bit where The Rock leans out of a car on skis uh, and kicks a torpedo on top of a frozen lake into another car. Right. If, if we're going to talk about my, my favourite moment in the entire... Because, okay, so... I've not watched all of the Fast and the Furious, but I have watched Hobbs and Shaw. And I love <laughs> Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah. Because there is a bit in Hobbs and Shaw where The Rock is driving a car down the street and somebody is driving towards him in a motorbike so he just leans out the window <laughs> and grabs them off of the motorbike they're travelling towards him at about 60 miles an hour he's travelling towards them which means the combined pressure on the rock's arm is 120 miles per hour multiplied by whatever the weight of that guy is <laughs> and and the thing about the rock is nothing about that seems unplausible yeah. I'm like yeah no yeah, it's, it's... <laughs> there's a bit in Fast and Furious 7 where the rock is in hospital because his arm and leg are broken and when he hears that there is trouble in downtown Los Angeles where his hospital is he gets up and and flexes his arm tenses his arm so hard that the cast breaks and Vin Diesel thinks that he is the main star of that franchise (laughs) the thing about that that's ridiculous though is I'm pretty certain The Rock is the main character of reality (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's doing well (laughs) Motherfucker's going to be president. But anyway. Yes, isn't he? That, that is going to happen. 
and I like The Rock, but the the knowledge that the world has descended to the point where The Rock has a real shot at becoming president is why I don't recycle anymore. <laughs> so... I- you should be able to run a campaign video against the man running for president that is just a video of him hitting Mick Foley over and over again with a chair. <laughs> exactly. I right, going back to, to Shakespeare. Uh, do do you know who also believes that, that Shakespeare wasn't the real Shakespeare? Uh I know some names. I know Jerry Jacobi's into it, but Yeah. I know I don't obviously want to slander anyone, but I will say with 100% certainty, and he can sue me if I'm wrong, because whatever, the actor Mark Rylance, I believe, doesn't believe that Shakespeare was the real guy. But also, at one point, I think he was head of Shakespeare Productions at Shakespeare's Globe. (laughs) I also... my, My job... I'm not going to say what my job is because I don't want. I've had, I get enough death threats from my own friends, <laughs> but my job involves me kind of hanging out with people I don't really know for like extended periods of time, finding anything to talk about. And one time I spent about two hours alone uh, with a woman from Costa Rica who was a professor of Shakespeare at a local university. And she didn't think that Shakespeare was a real guy either. She said that the reason uh, that they had to do it, the reason that they had to pretend that, I think it's Sir Francis, no, not Sir Francis Drake, he's the guy. Yeah, He's the main main character from the Uncharted video game series. It's the Earl of of Sussex, I want to say, but I I I can't remember. But basically, this, whoever this dude was, wanted to essentially bring down the monarchy by inciting the working class and the way to do that wasn't really through literature it was through performance but if you go to see a play because a play was the working man's um, entertainment if you go to see you're not going to go and see a play written by an l you're going to go and see a play written by some guy um so basically Shakespeare was the original Nigel Farage. <laughs> do you know? So, do you know the full conspiracy theory about? Like, the Earl of, I think it's the Earl of Oxford and how it. So, the the full conspiracy theory is that the Earl of Oxford isn't just secretly Shakespeare; he's also secretly the bastard child of Queen Elizabeth, and because Queen Elizabeth was unaware. That what happened to her bastard children who were sent off all over the place. Um, he also later becomes Queen Elizabeth's lover, who he has an incest baby with. And that is the child that should have been on the throne instead of Charles. Uh, and then, then we wouldn't have got Oliver Cromwell and we wouldn't have had democracy. I know that you don't really get on with your mum either, but... <laughs> I don't know if you would stoop to that. That is quite impressive. Yeah, it's 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 when when you find out all the details about it, it's QAnon levels of batshit. Uh, <laughs> um, I was going to say speaking of batshit, but I actually quite liked this episode. Yes, yeah, so I. I thought this was quite fun. 
Yeah. Um, it's it's got some issues. It's not it's not an all time great by any stretch, but it, it might be the first good one. It's got it's got a solid one minute scene that doesn't need to be in the episode at all and completely ruins the character of Wesley Crusher like more than he needed to be like it's it's <laughs> if if you wanted to write a scene specifically to turn the average Star Trek fan against a character it is the scene that they put in this episode about Wesley um uh which is uh, should we let's let's uh, we'll get to it we'll get to it yeah let's, yeah let's, I think I know yeah. what you're talking about yeah so the the plot of this episode is that there's a it's called where no one has gone before which is a clever clever name uh <laughs> also at one at one point a character says where no one has gone before which my girlfriend and i were watching it and when they said that it allowed us to lean forward and point at the screen in a very leonardo <laughs> dicaprio fashion as 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 is the tradition in our house if the name of a movie or program is said in the movie or program, you have yep. to lean forward and point at the screen. Point there, you go, ah, 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 yeah. ah, ah. Yeah. <laughs> I've met people who I've met people who don't do that, and it, and it like it, I'm not even doing doing a joke here. I'm so used to doing that, it legitimately confuses me that they are confused by what I just done. It gets. I will say this. It gets annoying. I. I, I does get annoying for other people when I insist on doing it in movies where the movie is named after the main character. <laughs> <laughs> when J. Jonah Jameson's like, bring me pictures of Spider-Man, and I'm like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> so he is. That would get annoying, yeah, you're right. I guess I'm just a Robocop. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> the best, I mean, Robocop is full of that Rob, every line in Robocop is the best line in Robocop <laughs> but I think one of the best lines in Robocop isn't even in the movie because it's on the poster part man, part machine, all cop <laughs> I, there's an there's a, there's a, a insurance advert at the moment that has Robocop in it on British TV and it is it infuriates me because Robocop says the line I have to go Somewhere there is a crime. Yeah. Which it isn't the fucking line. Like, you've paid Robocop money. Have him say the damn line. <laughs> so I have to go somewhere there is a crime happening. It's, oh. It, I, I hate that advert for the same reason that uh, one of the best reviews I read of the 20, like 16 or 2015 Robocop reboot was simply the line. The fact that they made a reboot of Robocop means that they fundamentally misunderstood Robocop. <laughs> that's, right, that's, that's, that is, that's gone into the top ten all time. My favourite reviews of all time, my favourite review ever is a review that Mark Commode did of Taken 3, which is just the line, Taken 3 makes Taken 2 look like Taken. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, enough Robocop. Yeah, um, yeah so the, the plot of this episode is there's a, a bloke coming to visit the Enterprise who's going to make their engines go faster. That's 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 that's, that's the basic premise. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like it starts off with like Riker's like, oh, we've gone through the uh, we've gone through his uh, his plans, and they're gibberish. Riker again is immediately starting off being kind of a dick in this episode. Like, I don't like this guy. I don't trust him. He's been on a bunch of other ships. He says they're going faster, but fuck him, I don't believe him. Yeah. 
And then, I, <laughs> I, and then he, this guy Kaczynski, who, yeah. uh, well, we'll get to this in a, in a minute, but this this guy Kaczynski, he, he beams onto the Enterprise with his partner, who is an alien of some sort. Yeah, and that actor who plays the alien in this um, was a, one of it was the second pick to play Data when they were doing the ah, initial casting. Um, I recognised him from things, but I didn't. I didn't yeah, know what he, things. He he didn't get that role, and they sort of gave him this. Also, I've got to say, uh, Stan, the guy who plays Kaczynski, Stanley Cavell, is such a quintessential that bloke actor. But yeah. when I saw him, I was so certain he was some, some like I knew him from like a big role in something else that I went onto his IMDb page, and his. His like known for section, the fourth thing listed is this episode of Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> so he 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 comes in with another guy, a sort of bagman style character, a sort of partner yeah. that he has, who's this alien. Uh, what's the um, character's name, Mark? Well, the characters Riker asked the character's name, and the character then says, "My name is completely unpronounceable by other by humans." But then I say. Why not just come up with a name that is pronounceable? Yeah. Surely that would make things not only easier on a daily basis for yourself, but it like it makes you appear to be less of an asshole. Like if you if you refuse to come up with a name for yourself because your own name is unpronounceable, that's that's like knobhead behavior. Just yeah. call yourself Dave. Like, just recognise the other... Like, when people say Dave, they're referring to you. They're not putting you down. You're yeah. the one who came up with your own name. Yeah, no one's got time this Clint Eastwood man with no name bollocks. Yeah. Um, it's... Yeah. <sighs> also, oh, it'd be unpronounceable by human tongues. Try. <laughs> maybe fucking... Maybe Chief O'Brien can get it. Well, yeah, but do the noise. Do the no- Tell us what the noise is, and we'll tell you whether or not we can pronounce it. Yeah, or or okay. do the noise, and then we'll we'll like like zoom in on like a sound from that that we can do, and then just call you like the Aussies do. Just call you that sound with a Y at the end. Yeah, Winnie. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Winnie. I've got one on my notes after they beam in. They go to engineering. Kaczynski is obviously a fan of Star Trek: The Next Generation because his first line on walking into engineering is simply to point at Wesley off screen and say, "Why is this child here?" <laughs> <laughs> um, he also so they, 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 they t- do they take him up to the bridge. I don't think they, they take, do, right? They, 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 they take him up to the bridge because he because he comes on and he immediately starts giving it the biggins about how the captain isn't there to greet him. Riker then takes him to the bridge and then he starts giving Picard shit. And uh, I don't know if anyone's noticed that guy's a fucking ensign. Yeah, he's he's doing a lot of I'm too smart to explain myself bollocks. Yeah, um, like he's trying to pull a Gregory House. Like I'm such a genius that I don't have to have social skills. And he's like, well, actually, there's a fucking chain of command here, dickhead. So, yes, you do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> also, there's a there's a point later. So, they go to, like, when they go down to engineering to enter the things. And they're like, oh, he can try it. Because as far as we can tell, this is absolute shit. And it won't ever, And the bearded engineer guy's like, yeah, he can do what he wants. It's not going to do anything. I've looked. It doesn't make any sense. I say go into anyone's house and do that to their car. <laughs> Just be like, can I just play about with this for a while? And then they'll be like, I mean, I see your plans for how you're going to play about with it. I mean, it's not going to do anything, but yeah, you crack on. 
No, let's not even. It's not even a, a, a car. Someone's car. Let's do that on a nuclear submarine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's 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 mental that they allow this to go ahead. <laughs> and there's a, there's a. It's basically what is going on, and it's fairly obvious to us, the viewer, is that Kaczynski thinks he's playing around, but his mate is like assistant is actually doing the work. Yeah. Um. Because Wesley's like hanging out and talking to him, and Wesley understands sort of what's going on and this like traveler guy's like oh someone understands not yeah. good nice yeah uh yeah. <laughs> um and then they play around with the warp core everything goes flashy the the assistant fades in and out of existence and then we get a doctor who they go past warp 10 and we get a doctor who style space tunnel yep and then suddenly the uh and then <laughs> this is one of my favourite moments I love this bit in this episode they're travelling at like faster than any ship has ever travelled and Picard doesn't like this so he gives the command to Geordie to reverse the engines <laughs> and Geordie says no one's ever done that at this speed to which Picard replies that's because no one's ever been this speed <laughs> <laughs> just as a, as a point of admin uh, to, to to maintain the illusion that we are sitting on ten forward on the Starship Enterprise, they had to retcon this later down the line, from what I understand, because it's physically impossible to even do warp ten. If you were to do warp ten, you would literally exist at every point in the universe at once. That's how fast you would be going. So they then, but they, and I think at some point they mention this in a later episode, but then they have to retcon that somewhat again because they have to figure out if we can already go warp nine and the Borg can go exponentially faster than us, how do we figure that out? So then you get trans warp one, but no, you never get to warp 10. Yeah, in, in fact, nobody has ever sat down in the like writer's room of the Star Trek writers and gone we have to agree what happens when you go past warp 10 yeah. because in Voyager there's an episode where Janeway and Paris both go past warp 10 and they devolve into lizard creatures <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then go have lizard creature babies on an uninhabited planet and then turn back into humans and leave which is when we get around to doing Voyager, Mark. There's going to be a lot of episodes where I have a lot of questions about shit that doesn't make any fucking sense because <laughs> Voyager's a mess. But um, so yeah, they go. It's yeah. This so they've gone past warp ten. They do the reverse engines, and then this is something I want to bring up because they do like they do. Uh, what's our position? And Data's like, well, I've, I've checked, and they've gone. They've left their own galaxy, and they've passed through two others. They've gone two million seven hundred thousand light years, which is the number data gives, which seems suspiciously round. Um, <laughs> it's like it's like it's like how in 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 Avengers: Infinity War, when Doctor Strange checks the alternate realities, and Tony says, "How many did you look for?" and he goes, 14,860,008. Yeah, like even if the even if the number is exactly round, I'd add a I'd add a couple of light years on the end just to make it sound more precise. Yeah, because otherwise Picard doesn't going to believe you. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, about it's about like how did you know that when they first released the the iPod Shuffle, yeah, it shuffled so well that people didn't believe that it was very good at shuffling because occasionally you would get full albums, 
in a row, yeah. which is unlikely to happen, extremely unlikely to happen, but with the number of people who bought them and the number of music and albums, eventually that is going to happen. So they then had to go back and literally make it less random to make it appear random. Yeah. And again, this is why I don't recycle. <laughs> this is the same as like the guys who first measured the height of Everest added like three feet on because it was exactly a certain height and they were like well no one's going to believe that we measured <laughs> <Yeah>. it <laughs> um but here's my question like how do they know because they go like oh we checked our position from all the relevant stars but the way light years work is we know what those stars will look like in two million seven hundred thousand look like two million seven hundred thousand years ago so we have no idea i have no idea how this is one of those things in Starfleet, in Star Trek, where we're going to have to like hand wave it away. Where it's yeah. like they know they're this far because they've got something that tells them that. And and I argue that it would have been much more effective than saying we are three hundred years away from home if they just had Picard go, LaForge, where are they? Where are we? And Jordy went, Pfft. <laughs> <laughs> They're three hundred light years from three hundred years from home at full warp, and if they send a, a radio message back, it will take fifty-one years to get there via subspace. Right, I have a question about that because the, the the question is obviously this is Captain Picard. We are stranded on like two galaxies away. It's going to take three hundred years to get back there at, at, at standard warp. Right? Did the Starfleet ever get that message? 51 <laughs> years in the future and do they then have to call up Picard and be like uh we just got a voicemail from you man <laughs> are you uh, are you all right and then Picard's okay. like oh shit yeah sorry I forgot to mention it so we know for a fact that the Enterprise has episodes of Next Generation up to exactly when has happened in the episode on their like drive yeah but I think we can, <laughs> can confirm that those these records aren't shared on other ships. Yeah. Because I feel like if like they'd gotten back like I feel I just feel like when Janeway got back from spending seven years slapping back from the Delta Quadrant, it's only been like, Oh, do you not watch do you not watch episode five of Next Generation? <laughs> <laughs> I hope yes. there's some guy on Voyager that spent that seven year journey <laughs> watching seven seasons of Star Trek the Next Generation. <laughs> Um, yeah, um, th th this is and this is like at this point when this is happening, the, the, tra the, the I'm just going to call him. They don't name him the Traveler until later. But I'm just going to call him the Traveler for ease. He's talking to Wesley, and they have a conversation about how space, time, and thought are not as separate as they seem to be. And the Traveler's like, "Don't fucking tell anyone that." Yeah, it's dangerous nonsense. It's like, hey, whereas if somebody said that to me, I wouldn't assume they had dangerous knowledge. I'd assume they were a fucking hippie. <laughs> Yeah, I like, yeah, like he should have he would have been like, like don't ever think that. Like that's dangerous to think that. There was one guy 300 years ago, this guy Eugene Roddenberry who had that thought and yeah, we had to kill him. Whoever wrote this episode of Star Trek had that thought and I don't know their name. Then <laughs> Yeah. So um, yeah. Oh, I, I want to talk about something that happens on the bridge here because it's it's a great line. They're like they're talking about what they can do to get back and Kaczynski's like well, just let me do it again. And they're all like, well, that's... And Picard's like, I don't know if that's a good idea. And then, he, and then there's silence for a second. And then Picard just goes, comment is invited. 
I really, I wrote down. This guy is pretty fucking brash for an ensign that just trapped him three hundred years from home. Even Harry Kim wouldn't be giving it that shit. I, I've also got. I love the fact. Um, I've got about here. Uh, Wolf. Wolf has a rare moment where he's completely fucking right. Where he says, "Can you let a man who has made one mistake back into a position where he may make another?" In what I can only read as a blistering takedown of Boris Johnson. <laughs> And, and Data, Data's like, well, we're here now. Let's study it. It'll be great. And Picard's like, but it's not much use if we can't fucking tell anyone, Data. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who's going to read them? Somebody in 51 years' time. <laughs> they, then, they, they then go back down to the, to the engineering because Picard's like, well, we can't solve this problem. We're going to have to try it. It's either that or stay here. And... That's when I wrote down, is this Kaczynski's first day? He he doesn't even know how to address the other crew members. He said when Riker asks if he's ready, he says, I'm ready, first officer. Sir, just sir. Sir. Or Commander Riker. Not his job. Like like M doesn't call out to Miss Moneypenny, uh secretary. Can you, well, maybe he does. He probably might know. have done it. Yeah, I was trying to think of books. an example there, and then I was like, actually, there's a lot of things where you just would call if you, someone's if, job their job if you were an asshole. Yeah, that's, that's, I think that's it. He's just a cunt. Yeah. <laughs> He's the kind of person who refers to like a shop assistant as shop assistant. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so they go back and Kate, uh, Kaczynski tries to do the same thing, but he can't do it because the traveller's not there because he's all knackered. Oh, he's in a he's in a space bed. Yeah. Oh no, no, not yet. Because this is the, so he like Wesley's like it's not him, it's the traveller, and the traveller has a go, and they jump even further, and they end up in a weird blue space with lights flying around that doesn't look like normal space. Now I've got some very important notes on the next section, which is one: we get a captain's log supplemental. Oh, I love these. Is he going to his room? <laughs> like, I would assume that the captain's log is done at the end of the day. Like, yeah. when when it's time to write up your official reports. I wouldn't assume where it's like, well, fucking hell, things have taken a turn for the worse. Anyway, I've got to go write out for... <laughs> <laughs> no. But, but there's also... And this is this is so I really need to bring up. They 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 calculate they calculate uh, Mark that, that that they are one billion light years from home, far beyond where anybody knows. Like they like oh it's no nobody knows what's here. We're a billion light years from home. Um, the the observable universe Mark um, from Earth is forty six point five billion light years across. So they're still well within sight of Earth. Um, <laughs> There's, yeah. there's, this this is not this is not like if they'd gone a hundred billion then yeah and fine the, the Earth is what thirteen billion years old yeah the Earth is thirteen billion years so they'd still old. be well, able so to look at the Earth sorry the Earth is is weird the the Earth is four six thousand <laughs> yeah you add up the ages of everybody in the Bible and you get six thousand <laughs> um, yeah no the Earth is four billion years old the universe is thirteen point eight billion that's years that's the so one yeah at a minimum you can see thirteen point eight billion years in every direction but then also the universe has expanded since then so you can see further but yeah it's yeah it's it's well within 
the realms of shit we can see. And I'm not going to keep having a go at the silence, but like fucking 20 seconds with a textbook would have fucking fixed that one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I... We then, because we, we, we get to a place that the, the Traveller sort of warned us about earlier, which is yeah. where space and time and thought start to intermingle a bit more than than they do in, like, where our universe has expanded to, like, like our section of the universe where thought isn't quite as intertwined with time and space. And things that the crew are thinking about um, start to come true. Uh, one of them, I've just written down, uh, Rhino Pig Sad Wharf. <laughs> um, yeah, a Klingon Targ shows up, and it is some of the... I mean, it's weird that they had CGI this good at this point, Mark, <laughs> that they can create such a realistic-looking creature that doesn't at all look like a pig in a wig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a Klingon Targ turns up, and, like... Okay, I, I, something I really believe is, is Worf sees this. And Tasha sees it. Yeah. And they both react to it. The two guys at their stations directly either side of Wolf don't even fucking turn around. <laughs> <laughs> there is a dangerous wild animal on the bridge and they're just like, no, I've got buttons to I've got to point at lights and tap things. <laughs> I, I, I like that because it, it's, it's literally like a, a pig with a, a horn and some fur on but, it. Yeah. And Worf says, this is a pet that I had when I was a boy on Kronos yeah. and Tasha then replies so it's a kitty cat yeah. uh, no Tasha it's clearly a pig <laughs> um, I, I want to say a few things about this, one, I, I respect the shit out of the fact that they did this with a pig rather than like <laughs> like it's 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 a weird choice but it's, it works in the context of what it is, but also the moment Tasha says it's a kitty cat it, it disappears and in the second that it disappears, Michael Dawn should have won a fucking Oscar. Oh, he looks so the, sad. The heartbreak on his fucking face. Um, and then, unfortunately, because stuff from people's minds is turning up. So Tasha then sees a cat. Yep. And I, I paused it at this point and made the joke, I assume this was Tasha's anti-rape cat. Um, and then before anything else happens Picard opens the door of the. he's gone down to engineering he opens the door of the, the turbo lift into what I've written down is the screaming void of space <laughs> <laughs> I said I hate when you tell the turbo lift to go to the engineering <laughs> section and instead it goes to the infinite abyss <laughs> and then instead of sticking on that which I'm assuming was an ad break like originally like open door boom. instead of us coming back to that we then come back to <sighs> Tasha Yar who of course is thinking about her favourite subject it's the rape gangs <laughs> oh. I like to think that this is a pretty woke podcast <laughs> and I like to think we're pretty fucking woke guys right but and, and obviously we just have to take this as read. But there, it is going to get to the point, Tasha, the more you think about rape gangs, the more people are just going to think you're, frankly, protesting too much yeah. to go back to Shakespeare. Which is exactly what a rape gang like. Um, <laughs> <Christ>. <laughs> <laughs> and look, to be clear, I want to be absolutely clear. Like, 
there, there's like a flashback. She's there. She's got her cat. There's a gang coming towards her. And I wrote down as a joke, oh, it's probably a rape gang. She's then back on the bridge. And Geordie's like, what's wrong, Tasha? And she's like, it was a rape gang. Like, this isn't... This is... <laughs> there's no doubt left. Jesus Christ. What is this the only thing... Like, look, here's the thing. I get that, like, trauma stays with you. Yeah. Okay? But they've literally just travelled a bit, like, to off the edge of space forever is this popped into tasha's head because she's like thank fuck this is probably the one place i'm not gonna run into a rape gang (laughs) and also what is it with male writers like do they like obviously rape is horrible but do they understand that women can have other traumas (laughs) and 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 also that if you are a rape victim that isn't the only thing that you are like there's other like i mean does tasha have hobbies do we I don't. I, I mean, obviously, she, they could have done anything for her trauma, but if they wanted to go really fucked up, they could have had her see uh, the grown-up version of the baby that she had aborted. <laughs> and worse, like pig dog turns into. It. <laughs> Quick shout out for horror movie The Suckling, in which uh, a woman gets an abortion. The abortion is flushed down into the sewer, gets exposed to toxic waste, becomes a monster. And kills everybody in the house. Classic. It's a hell, hell of a VHS. <laughs> um, I, I also wrote down, uh, after uh, all of that, I'm really glad that we didn't dive into Geordie's thoughts because they're definitely real sexy and weird. <laughs> um, at, 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 I, I was going to say, at no point in this do we actually get any Riker's thoughts become real. And I guess that's a result of Riker's incredible self-control of his deep sexual urges. <laughs> <laughs> Or it was just that um, Diana Troy, everything she did was just a manifestation of his own imagination. <laughs> I do like the fact that we, we do get like a jump through because like we get some like there's 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 a cut to we get like one like crewman who we've never seen before. He's just playing the violin in a string quartet and he's really fucking feeling the vibe. And I like that guy. <laughs> and then later on, later on, it disappears and he's quite sad. He's like, oh, what are you doing, Matt? Yeah, like, yeah. But, <laughs> but but equally, just go do this on the holodeck. I don't. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's for. Um, there's ballet. There's two crew members running away from nothing. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to bring something up that I it comes up quite a lot in Star Trek, and um, I I feel is a, is an annoying result of the fact that Star Trek is trying to be a bit too worthy, which is. I would already, if I was on board this ship, I'd already have us out of this situation. If you think of something, it happens and it manifests and it becomes real. Yeah. So why don't you just think of Batman and ask him how to fix it? Or why don't you just think of not being in that situation anymore? Yeah. Just think, oh, what? What? wouldn't it be fun if the warp drive worked properly? Yeah. And it's we like were out of I'm, here. If ever you see Freddy Krueger, then you know it's a dream because that's where Freddy Krueger is. Yeah. So just immediately dream that you're Wolverine? Yeah. <laughs> there's a, there's actually a, a pretty decent-ish uh, run of DC Comics from, the like the, again, the mid-2000s that were based on A Nightmare on Elm Street. And I think they, they do, like, three stories over four issues each. I think it was a 12-issue run. And two of the stories are literally that. Just, like... <laughs> If you were being attacked by Freddy, just imagine yourself able to beat Freddy because it's your dream. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, just imagine you've got like you've got a lightsaber and Wolverine powers and fuck him up. Exactly. So we get we all we all get back down into engineering, I think, right? No, do we or do we, we all get back down into engineering, um, and then we take the traveler to the hospital, right? Yeah, and I also think we have our first red alert. I think you're right. Yeah, because um, Picard calls a, a, a red alert, um, and I don't know why I've got this in my notes. I just I, I felt and I felt compelled to write this down. At this point, I need to bring up Wesley is wearing some frankly avant-garde knitwear. Oh, um, uh, I had a comment from my girlfriend, which is just fashion in the future is just wearing your mom's jumpers. Um, Bev, Doctor Beverly would have looked incredible on in that jumper. Yeah, yeah, she would have. So I also so we get that back then into engineering, and they're all questioning Kaczynski about what's going on, and Wesley says it wasn't yeah. Kaczynski; it was the traveller. I have written down here. O'Brien would have known that it wasn't Kaczynski. Because <laughs> of course he would have. He wouldn't take that shit. Yeah. Um, um, I've got... Also, there's some things in here. Like, Wesley says that the guy was, like, phasing. Yeah. Now, Mark, we don't live in Star Trek. No. But I know what he means by that. Yeah. You know what he means by that. Yep. Why doesn't Picard know what he means by that? <laughs> <laughs> Um, also, at this point, I want to bring this up. Like as we say, we're a fairly woke podcast. I, I think you agree. Picard calls the traveller a dying alien. Now, <laughs> I can't help but feel that in Starfleet, where like, because it's not just the humans only club. I think the people writing Star Trek forget it's not just the humans. It's like a lot of different worlds working together. I feel like the phrase "alien" is at least insensitive. You would think that by the 23rd century, we would have... Because it would be a bit like how there's... There are, like, certain words, uh, ways of describing a group of people that will often come up in conversations with my mum. <laughs> Why can't I say that when yeah. the man who used to run the local corner shop called himself that? And I would say, well, it's because it's been turned into a slur. Yeah, the word the word is fine, and yeah, it's just a shortening of the country that he comes from, and yeah, it's fun that his name is Peter. You get some fun alliteration there, but the name probably wasn't Peter. His name, much like no. the cat, much like the traveller, was probably unpronounceable to the people of 1970s Deniston but unlike the traveller Peter took the initiative of fucking giving himself a name that the local Glasgow West uh, East Enders sorry could have could have pronounced right um but yeah you're, no you're probably right like they they probably would have to do away with the word alien and just come up with a new word that was far more inclusive yeah because because alien obviously signifies other but it signifies all of the others yeah. whereas really yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you can't call a, you can't call a Vulcan an alien. They're a Vulcan. You can't yeah. call a Klingon an alien. They're a Klingon. But this guy. But it is, but that's what I'm trying to get. At. Like they are technically aliens by the definition of that word. They are alien to us. They are other. Yeah, but you know that's a slur at this point. In yeah, because it's, it's got to be, man. Because <laughs> yeah. I know what humans are like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the reason that the spastic society had to change its name to Scope. And I'm certain in 10 years' time, they'll have to change it from that because kids will be getting called Scopies. 
I hope all the all the eleven year olds that listen to this podcast, you've just given them an idea. <laughs> um, I, I I do like the fact that basically at, at this point as well, everyone's kind of being a dick to Wesley because they keep yeah. calling him the boy, and Wesley's like, "My name's Wesley," and Riker's like, "I know." I'm just choosing <laughs> to call you the boy. <laughs> I I wrote down uh, Picard. What's the boy doing here? Uh, the boy just figured this all out, Picard. <laughs> we are we like while the character of Wesley is is not great. I think we are only going to end up going to bat for him a lot. Hundred percent. I'm yeah. always behind Wesley Crusher. Um, but um, and then at this point, the traveler has to explain that he's a traveler. And Picard's like, well, where are you travelling to? What's your destination? He's like, no, it's not that kind of travelling. And Picard doesn't get it because he clearly never went backpacking in a gap year before going to Starfleet. Um, so when we were watching this, uh, the traveller says something like, I just want to travel to experience new types of life and see yeah. what the world is like, you know, for other people. And Picard looks really confused. And Laura paused it, turned to me <laughs> and went, isn't that what they do? <laughs> It's it's literally it's it's literally the the spoken aloud monologue that is in every episode of Star Trek. <laughs> you you could even if you really wanted to stretch it, the name Star Trek implies <laughs> that. Yeah, yeah, it's oh my god. And then they say the traveler. The traveler says, like, like is trying to explain where he's from. And Picard's like, "Is that the future?" And the traveler's like, "No, Oh, maybe." Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about you, Mob. If I was from the future, I wouldn't let us slip my mind. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I do. Like, there's one I didn't particularly enjoy. Uh, Christopher Nolan's Interstellar, right? No, because it's a bad film. It's a bad movie. I I think that Christopher Nolan. Set absolutely does have his positives. I I do think the guy can put a movie together. I yeah, think he is an incredible great. technical director. He does make some of the best spectacle that we see in modern cinema. I don't just I don't I just don't I just don't think he makes very compelling or interesting movies character wise, right? Um but uh the explanation for what the fourth and fifth dimensions are in Interstellar is so good. That I actually I, I used I used to get annoyed when people because I, I used to work in the, the IMAX and the Interstellar credits are fifteen minutes long and people used to hang out for like fifteen minutes after the credit is finished discussing the fifth dimension and you know that way that I wanted to be like one can you get the fuck out so that we can clean this for the next bunch of assholes to come in and two like. I don't like it. It's fun that you are discussing something that I learned from a Grant Morrison comic when I was eleven. <laughs> but okay. like, why do you think that the movie didn't explain that well enough that you need to discuss it with your pals? Do that there's, in the pub, you wank. There's two things I want to bring up, which is I was I've been told that um, I got told that the um, the tumor one of the uh, symptoms from the tumor growing is I might get fatigue, and the list of things they told me my cause fatigue literally includes complicated film plots and I have <laughs> and I have never once felt tired watching a Christopher Nolan movie they are not as complicated as people make out and and in addition to that I've been told on multiple occasions how clever Interstellar is it's like oh because at the end he like he travels back through his own history 
and like influences his own life. The, the logic used in Interstellar in its big climax, Mark, and you'll appreciate this, is exactly the same level of complexity as the final moments of both Bill and Ted movies. <laughs> <laughs> they go yep. back they realize they can go back later and fix things for them it's yeah it's not it's not partic- if you don't if you don't sit around sucking fucking bill and ted's dick for being mind-blowing and expanding your consciousness they don't do it with interstellar it's it's as if christopher nolan went i'm gonna take bill and ted's excellent adventure but rather than do all the good bits i'm gonna show <laughs> the admin that they briefly discuss yes um okay um but yeah it's it's like i say it's it's, there's a lot of this this is a lot of nonsense at this point i've literally is this is this the minute that you were you wanted to bring up earlier when they're discussing leslie right yeah right because at this point the traveler sends everybody else out of the room and goes to like um like goes to picard oh like i've i've learned of your mozart wesley is like mozart but for science, which, you know, is, is a way to force a metaphor because we had a Mozart for science and it was Da Vinci. So I don't know why he doesn't just make that <laughs> comparison. But he basically at this point is now setting Wesley up as a Mozart style genius chosen one character. I, this is the equivalent, like as a fan of Star Trek, if you were watching it at the time, the writers might as well have taken the character of Wesley out behind the shed and shot him in the face. Because <laughs> this, at this point, it, it gives him no chance. Like, if yeah. you're watching it at home, you're like, well, fuck him and fuck the horse he fucking rode in on. Um, it's, I, there's no, it does, and it's not unnecessary because he literally tells Picard, I'll just encourage him, but don't tell him that I told you this. Which you could have just had after this episode, Picard warms up a bit to Wesley and encourages him without this in there. I wrote down, so Picard has been told that Wesley is literally one of the most important people in the history of mankind, and he still treats him like Wesley. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, it's, it's 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 absolutely baffling. I don't like. I feel like nobody in the writers' room thought how this would. I think they thought that everyone was going to like Wesley. Yeah, and like they'd be like, oh, cool character. Whereas this is like, it's just. But it's like, where, and you want to sit down? No, we're all much more fascinated with data. Yeah, what? Yeah, <laughs> is, what's going on there? Yeah, yeah. As a genuinely unique and interesting character, I want to know more about. And yeah. as is proven by the fact that in Star Trek, I want to say Nemesis, like the last major dramatic beat is that um, spoilers for a movie that came out fucking ages ago. Data dies. Um, they very much for me told the story that Next Gen was very much Data's story. Yeah. Um, yeah. I yeah, it's just. My, the- one of my favourite bits in the episode then occurs, which is Picard has to go back to the bridge because the traveller they he sort of says, Look, I'll go and I'll go and make this right, I'll go down to engineering and I'll I'll press the buttons with my three fingers. Um yeah, which means he can type faster than anyone else, including data, who could easily be doing this shit. That's why uh, the Ninja Turtles were really good at social media. <laughs> so he so Picard says, "Oh well, I'll, you go to engineering. I'll go to the bridge." On the way to the bridge, and again, just to remind anyone who'd forgotten, while they are in this place in space, time, and thought, people's thoughts and fears are coming to life. 
as a sort of background to the story. So Picard walks down and there is a crew member trapped by a wall of fire. And Picard tells him, the fire's only in your mind if you just take, if you just stop thinking about it. Or if you just think about putting it out, it'll go away. So the guy then does this and then Picard immediately tells him to get back to work. I wrote, <laughs> if there was a fire in front of me and Captain Picard told me to put it out with my thoughts... I would believe him because it's Captain Picard. <laughs> I, however, wouldn't be too happy if he then immediately told me to get back to work with no explanation of what just happened. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, I've realised we've skipped over something in this episode because right. it's something that really baffled me. Right. Picard, at the point in this episode, he, oh, yeah. from his thoughts, conjures his mum. Yeah. Who has a French accent? <laughs> now again, the 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 way accents work is that like if you were taught to speak one language and then you have to learn another because of the different pronunciations they carry over and you won't speak. But French is a dead language, which is why Picard has an English accent <laughs> because. I'm assuming everybody in Starfleet speaks, everyone on Earth speaks Mandarin in the future and it's been translated into English for our convenience. <laughs> in San Francisco. The, the, but, so is his, how, does, did his mum have a, like, learn, the, you know they said French is a dead language. Has French only been a dead language for like 50 years? <laughs> I just, I was, I, the, the, the whole Picard is French, not English. Why didn't they just make him British, Mark? Yeah. <laughs> no, I like having a French captain. But it's, it's pretty baffling, yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, Picard then gets back up to the bridge and uh, he puts out an... Was it an, an all call? Like a... Yeah. All, yeah. All, all, all something... All points bulletin. Um, and it's the old school communicator sound. Yeah. <laughs> and... Another guy in a skirt. Yeah, uh, it's not that. And this is as well. This is the weirdest bit because this is okay. Look, well, we we know Star Trek is is socialist. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, uh, after this episode, uh, I think maybe the right are right about socialism because <laughs> in this socialist future, Picard literally orders his crew what to think. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, he orders everybody. To, this is the worst thing as well because it's this is a classic Ghostbusters scenario. Like you tell everybody to think of positivity, think of getting us home, think of the traveller being good, and it will help us get home. But but I, if you tell me to think about that, I'm immediately going to think of the ship exploding. <laughs> yeah. Also, um, in a in a, a, a strange like another. Now that you've brought up Ghostbusters, I feel like you've opened the gates. <laughs> um, so Gozer, the main antagonist of uh, Ghostbusters, was a god who was sentenced to explore, who was ba- banished from our dimension uh, to other to explore other d- dimensions indefinitely by her sister Tiamat, who is another real Sumerian god. Um, and so Gozer actually goes by the god name Gozer the Traveller. So connected to this. So this guy could be Gozer. Yeah. Okay. And you also influence Gozer using your thoughts. The, tra- the, tra- uh, the Traveller has come. Um, yeah. 
And that's why I wrote The Traveller Has Come. Uh, the Picard specifically tells them all to think about the Traveller's well-being. Would he be okay if I thought about giving him a relaxing hand job? <laughs> how, how annoyed, Mark, would you be if like, you were just coming... Like, you'd been in the fourth dimension. You'd been there for a bit. And then you got told, oh, we're leaving the fourth dimension, just as you'd worked it all out. Because, mm-hmm. like, I'd be like, oh, can we stay for, like, a week? Now we've all got the grips with it. I just want to... <laughs> There's, there's some there's some there's some there's some very specific stuff involving Catwoman that I would like to think about like <laughs> in the privacy of my room. <laughs> it would make the holodeck look like fucking porn that you found in a wood. Do you know what it would be? You know when like I remember very clearly when I was about must have been about 12 or 13 years old having a conversation with a mate of mine about how I didn't believe graphics could get better than Echo the Dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> And I imagine it would be in like that. Like you go back to the fucking like going back in there would be like playing a PlayStation One, and you'd be like, oh, for fuck's sake. I remember thinking Final Fantasy VIII is the best they were ever going to get because they <laughs> sort of look like real people. Yeah, yeah, it's. But um, I also like that when they're doing the traveling home. I've just got down here. Um, there's, there's like, there's tension. They're yep. all like building up to it. We get an engage from Picard. And then from the view screen, we see that they apparently travel into the poster for Star Trek The Motion Picture. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then the Traveller... Um, I'm just going to say, I, I've written down here from the Traveller's like expression on his face as they're doing this. He is definitely coming. Um, and uh, all he needed to finish was a nice, calming handshake from a 12-year-old. Proving that maybe he isn't a Sumerian god, but rather the Catholic one. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and then oh, okay. Oh, sorry, there's something that, that popped up at the right at the end of this episode that I really need to question. Is Geordie... so like they they arrive back at like the, where, the exact point they left, which seems like uh, just put them like somewhere like in the in the right ballpark. That seems a bit too confusing. Put, put them further along the journey that they were already doing. Yeah. Um, and then, so they, they, there's like some orders given at this point, and it made me realise something about. I have a genuine question about what different people on the bridge are doing, because is is Geordie steering, but Data is controlling speed and the brakes. Yes, that seems far more complicated than it needs to be. Because uh, I, I, yeah, so yeah, I think that. <laughs> One of them is the helmsman. Yeah. But I think that warp... I think, it, like, because it, because the differences in speed are so complicated, you basically need another person to do that job. Right, okay. Um, but I, It feels like you could be done by pedals. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, I, I imagine someone who was designing starships was like, man, this is really complicated. We need at least four limbs to be able to do this. <laughs> So we must. Need so we must people. get in two guys. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's because there's a lot of maybe there are a lot of aliens in Starfleet who only have like one leg or no legs. <laughs> so they're like, well, we better, you know, just to be inclusive, yeah. we'll split this up. <laughs> and then, and then at the end, um, Wesley is made um, an acting ensign. Mm-hmm. Um, so he gets a he will get a communicator badge and. Um, that's it. Like he gets staring around, and he's and got I a reason to be in places. Starfleet supports child labour. 
Yeah. And this is this is they're specifically told this isn't like just like some makeshift thing. They're like, no, yeah, it's a full job. Actual, he's got a full actual roster and job until he can apply to Star. This is the other thing as well. Like, is there an age limit on Starfleet? Because there must be aliens whose life cycle is quicker. Like, oh, I get what you mean. No, I imagine it would be a case of when you are what is considered to be in your culture, in your species, an adult, you can yeah. apply to Starfleet. But I imagine in Klingon culture, like being considered an adult involves you having to like murder some sort of animal in a ritual on a mountain. <laughs> Probably your own pet. That's why Worf looks so sad. <laughs> How did Worf ever? Is it thing like Worf's pet? Because I don't think they've worked out Worf's backstory. Because is it not later established that Worf is like was raised by humans? from like the age of six upwards because like his family died in an attack or something well i don't know because he does have a brother i yeah. think i vaguely recall that he's got a brother who's human he, does he yeah so the whole thing is he's wolf son of moog but moog has been stripped of his house so he's like he's an outcast oh, from Klingon right. society right and it's got something to do with i there's all i really know about this is like the the war with the klingons was ended with something called the Ketama records uh-huh. And that's, I f- yeah. So that's, I don't know when that happened. Um, no. But but yeah, that happened, and then there was some sort of major attack around that time that killed Wolf's parents and Moog. His dad Moog was like implicated in the attack. Oh. And it was seen as like a cowardly attack. So his family doesn't have a house or a name. He was left orphaned and he was raised by like humans. Right. On a colony. So where do you have a fucking targ? Uh, maybe depend. I guess it depends yeah. where he was, what country he was raised in. Yeah, maybe they have them in <laughs> Wales. <laughs> but yeah, I genuinely I enjoyed this episode. I thought it was quite good. I like this. I I think that this um, I think that this ticks all three of the boxes. Yeah, I think yeah. this is a very. It's not only quite a decent episode. I think this is a good episode of Star Trek. Yeah, and I would I would also say that we've been. For a lot of like this podcast so far, we've been very much playing up when an episode feels like it's a, ha- a hangover from the original series yeah. in a bad way. Yeah, this could totally have been a, an original series episode, but a good one. Like this is yeah. like, this this has the DNA. Like, this is like season one. On board. Yeah, this is ex- exactly like if you if this was entirely what Next Generation was. It wouldn't be as loved as it is because of what TNG became, but this would have been very successful. And I don't think the average Star Trek fan would have had much to complain about. I, I agree. Yeah, this is a solid, solid episode. I I do I do still think that we, I, I from what I have seen and and obviously uh, Patrick Stewart does believe this. I I do agree that Measure of a Man in season yeah. two is the first truly brilliant episode of Star Trek. Yeah, uh, and it's going to be a while. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> it, we it's, get it's something. But like yeah, no, I get in, it. In what was it? it was, there's a moment in um, one of the episodes we've watched already in the racist episode where, like, Picard starts giving a speech and then stops himself. We have why we haven't had a Picard speech. We yet. haven't had a Picard speech yet, but which will become. We sort like, of had the, one in encounter at Farpoint, but yeah, a little bit of one. Um, but yeah, you kind of like they they don't realize what they've 
Like this is they don't realise what they've got with Patrick Stewart is like you can write you can sit down and you can write these grandiose defences of the human condition. Yeah. And let him go and he will fucking nail it every time. And it and it will never be pretentious. Yeah. Even though yeah. it's it's very like um it, you know, it's it's yeah, it's a Picard speech. It's it's yeah. very big ideas, uh judgmental sometimes. Um, and it's and it's breakdown of certain human behaviors, but Patrick Stewart, yeah. like it's he get like he does everything. He delivers it like Shakespeare. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and it's the best we, thing about this show. Yeah, which we have to wait about from now about a, a, a season and a half to get to. But <laughs> um, no, I yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this. I do think, like I say, it it fully like if. If this was released, if this was released in the age of the internet, literally within seconds of this episode being up, there would have been a, there would have been a hashtag trending called "fuck Wesley Crusher, the chosen one." Um, like this is, this is they they nailed that character to a fucking fence with this, and like it's not necessary. And I feel this one mo- if you could delete this one moment alone from Next Generation people would probably have a much kinder view on the Wesley character. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. But yeah. But yeah, I I enjoyed this one. Um, And the next episode is The Lonely Among Us, which I have no recollection of. Like, I've seen a picture of an alien from it, and I can't even remember them existing. I've just looked up on Wikipedia. Uh, This does have the second appearance of Miles O'Brien. Does it? Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. Awesome. Although I do like reviews were mostly negative, with criticism directed at the writing in particular. (laughs) Which which might not make for a good viewing experience, but it's going to make for a great podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, that was uh, that was that was that, wasn't it? Yeah. Anyway, bye bye. The Captain's Slog is performed by Mark O'Neill and Eddie Edwards. You can follow both of them on Twitter and Instagram. Mark's at RealMarkO'Neill and Eddie is at Ed Edwards Comedy. If you like the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter and now on YouTube at Captain Slog. And we have a Facebook page as well. Or if you really like what we do here, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Captain Slog. <laughs>